boxes that is uh, that's packing week and we're going to be having our packing over in the fellowship hall and if you want to have bible study it's going to be over here in in the sanctuary but we will plan to pack and pray over those boxes and uh, get them ready for shipping also in two weeks two weeks from today if you are here if you're watching online hello i know that there are some people who are not feeling well and they're they i don't they may be in bed i don't know if they're watching online they may be watching later if you're watching later you are invited to thanks meal two weeks from today thanks sunday we have great things planned we're going to have a, a really great service and then we're going to have our thanks meal afterwards so plan to bring lots of food and plan to bring lots of people those that you are thankful for that night we're having the community thanksgiving service it's going to be held at the grace covenant church i was about to say grace covenant church of god bless it it's just grace covenant um <laughs> we're gonna have it at grace covenant and and all the a lot of churches in our community in uh, huntersville cornelius uh there's a couple in south charlotte who are coming together and we're going to be worshiping together so plan to be there at six o'clock on the 20th to to join in in the community service also november 30th and december 7th those are two wednesday nights the gideons are coming again to do our conversations we're having two sessions with them to uh to encourage us to teach us to get us more comfortable with sharing the gospel sharing our testimony with people and uh, and spreading the love of jesus so be here for those they're going to begin at 6 45 a little bit early and we're going to have some refreshments so if you are able to be at both that'll be great if you're only able to attend one that's okay we're gonna it, there's going to be different information in both sessions so make sure that you are here for that also last thing for for right now and there's more things to come but there's just so much that <laughs> we want to give you a little piece at a time uh december 3rd we have 10 more spots to go to the the samaritan's purse facility okay we have five people already on the list but we have 10 more spots so if you want to go if you are 13 and over over then you please let me know i'll send you a waiver to sign up to go to uh, to help pack shoe boxes and if you know somebody who who doesn't attend here that you think hey this person would probably really like to pack shoe boxes let me know talk to them and i'll send them the, the information for the waiver as well so because we have 15 spots total 10 spots left so remember that any other announcements we will certainly let you know once again thank you for coming thanks for watching glad to see you um I was talking to, <laughs> I was talking to uh, somebody. Well, a few people, a couple weeks ago, talking to somebody even this morning about the enthusiasm with which a certain someone in our church approaches ministry. That this particular person, that every single time that they hear of an opportunity, they say, "Hey, let me do that." And I said, "That is exactly that kind of attitude." That's exactly what I'm praying for for every single person. Yeah. I, do you know that I'm talking about you? Yeah, girl. I mean, la <laughs> yeah. Last Sunday, I think it was last Sunday, maybe two Sundays ago, uh, we we were out in Usher, and um, I said to Shane, babe, do you mind, to, uh, do you mind to, to take up the offering? And Gretchen was there. She said, Aunt Jenny, let me do it. I said, yes, ma'am. Just, well, do you know how to take up the offering? And she explained it to me. I said, yes. 
It's exactly what you do. And the thing is, if we come to the kingdom like a child, if we come to the kingdom with an excitement and with an enthusiasm that says, Lord, here I am, send me. Whatever you want me to do, here I am. I am a willing and, and open vessel for you. That is what God desires. So I am glad that, that she's that way and you start praying for everybody to be that way, okay? Amen. Let's stand this morning and go to the Lord in prayer. Ask him to have his will in the service. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. You are great and mighty. God, you are strong and we love you so very much. God, we thank you for this beautiful day that you have given to us. God, we thank you that you have woken us up this morning. God, that you brought us into your house. Lord, that you have allowed us to be together with other believers. Lord, that we're able to to contribute to each other's lives through prayer and through encouragement. God, I just thank you and I praise you for each and every person who is able to be here. God, for those who are not, I pray your strength and your help in their lives right now. God, for those who are watching who are sick or afflicted. God, for those who, who can't be here because they have other struggles going on. God, whatever it may be, I just ask that your help and your strength be with them. God, I pray for every single person who has come in that they would be lifted up and encouraged, that they would hear from you and receive from your word today. Whatever it is, that, that we have come to receive, we ask that it be done in Jesus' name. God, we just pray that everything that we do would just lift you up and bless you. We thank you, we praise you, we give you honor. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. My hope is filled on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly trust in Jesus name sing that again my hope is built my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone.
so much bigger than troubles I face. Why would I hunger for power or riches or fame? Cause my God is so much better than all of these things. So I won't be shaken, I won't be moved, my God is faithful, His promise is true, so I'll speak to the mountain, it's time to move. God is bigger, better, stronger, greater than you. My enemies scatter because they know the battle is done. Oh, my God is stronger, the victory is already won. Oh, he died for my ransom and rose up on the third day. Cause my God is greater than death.
say you look good praise the Lord you look good hallelujah hallelujah all of you at home turn to one another and say you look good hallelujah God is good and I appreciate that and in uh, Colossians uh, 3 13 let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, singing with grace unto the Lord. Hallelujah. And then maybe we will say after that, let the words of my mouth 
and the meditation of my heart. Be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Pastor in her newsletter and possibly preaching next week, uh, last week, uh, said read the rest of that chapter of Romans that the message was uh, coming from. And so I did. And there are several verses in a row that is what is subtitled Marks of a Christian. One of the verses has one of these things in our vision for us to serve in love. Serve in love. Hallelujah. And then one of my favorite scriptures for Sister Vicki Powell is verse 20. And it says, If your enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him water to drink. For in doing so, you shall heap coals of fire upon his head. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's another one similar to that one in there that I, I like. It's sort of one of my favorites for Sister Powell. Amen. Praise God. But it's always good to study the Word, to make ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the Word of truth. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We might have a testimony in a moment, but I do want to mention to you today, as you already know possibly, that the Gideons are here to uh, deliver a message to us. And it's so wonderful. I enjoy the Gideons. I'm a Gideonite, if there is such a thing. I like the work that they do. I'm telling you the zeal and the excitement that they have. I've seen only close in one other place, and that's in Baptist people. The Baptist people have the zeal and excitement. And I, I tell you the truth, praise God that... They want to get it done for the Lord. They want to help people see and understand what Jesus Christ is all about and God's Word and placing it in their hands. And I tell you, we got information here in just a little bit that we'll be passing out. Uh, Marty will be putting one in your hands. Look it over. It is. A, in fact, I don't know, would it be best to do it now? Is it all, huh? It's already been passed out. Oh, okay. Gretchen's on the job again, huh? Marty did it, but I'll tell you, Gretchen is eager. She must have some Baptist blood in her. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. But this is so great. In here, uh, talking about walking by faith. Just read this and enjoy that. They have cards. We've mentioned the cards to you, and I had to admit, I am not one that sends cards. But I'll tell you what I'll do. If you send cards, you let me know. And I'll pay $5 for a bunch of cards so that you can send them because I enjoy giving to the Gideons. I really enjoy giving to the Gideons. Some things you give to, about 33% of it goes to administration and paying for this and paying. It doesn't happen that way with the Gideons. Amen. It just doesn't happen this way. You've seen this apple before. Last week. Now, probably after this week, you won't see it anymore because <laughs> it looks like it's just ready. But it was um, Joe Wisnett 
Do you know Joe Wisnett from the Kannapolis area of Gideon's? He was on he was on the uh, list of speakers the last time we met. Uh, the Gideon's uh, served the pastors and friends uh, in a dinner over in Concord, and he didn't hold up an apple, but he did give the illustration that each of us that once we eat the apple or we cut into it, we can count how many seeds are in that apple. But he said the amazing thing is God knows how many apples are in the seed. Hallelujah. I I said that is good because we don't know the good that is being accomplished by everything we do for God and for His glory. This is how I would say the Gideons are. Oh, they don't know how many apples are in the seed, but they just start doing and, and let God. It's sort of like Paul said that one would plant and then another might come along and water it, but it is God that gives the increase. Are you glad you're a Christian here today? Maybe we'll have one testimony that you love God above all things, all things. Amen. Go ahead. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank God for all His good. He is good. He is good. And I'll tell you, I'm glad to see you here today. I really am. But I'm glad to see one person here more glad, more glad, more glad than possibly any of the rest, and that's Sister Wynell. This dear lady has been through some struggle, and I'm glad she's here. I don't think I'm the only one. Amen. I'm glad. She's able to be in the Lord's house today. Amen and amen and may we love you. Amen. Praise God. Well, we are going to have, every time the uh, Gideons come, I enjoy it. I enjoy the things that they speak about, the things that are happening, what their plans are, and some of those plans include us as a church in a few weeks on Wednesday night. And uh, it just blesses my heart. I, I, I've listened to them again and again. I like it, what is happening. And how God just uses that little old testament to save people's lives. One of the things mentioned at that uh, dinner that they had for pastors and friends was that uh, a Bible was passed out in some country. I wish I could remember what country it was. And the little lady got one, and she began to work for God reading that book and she her family was saved her friends and it was just like multiple people were saved because this one little lady that had received the word of god and she believed it and she lived in it and she worked in it and i started to say hundreds were saved but there was a lot saved by the grace of god for her work so today with us is uh, he's coming up in just a moment when I step down, Dr. Max Strader. He's the president of the Charlotte Southeast Camp here, and uh, 
he brought with his with him his wife Sonia, uh, and then I think uh, I think Faye brought Marty, and uh, <laughs> thank you Faye for bringing Marty with us. I cry, we like Marty pretty good, and we like you. We just see Marty more often, you know. And the uh, fact he has been here with us on a Wednesday night before in our church service, we have what we call, I guess, our Sunday school teaching on Wednesday night. And uh, he's been with us a time or two. So today, after the uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Strader is done, uh, they'll be receiving off. I think Brother Mike is up after that. And uh, I am one that I tell you, you cannot give too much to the Gideons. You cannot. So just let God bless your heart. Give freely. And uh, if it's in an envelope, that's great. If it's uh, loose, it will go to the Gideons, okay? You need to mark your tithe on it if you're sure tithe and let people know it's your tithe, okay? Sister does a great job. Dr. Strader, God bless you. Come. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes. Amen. He spoke for the Gideons better than I can (laughs) because y'all know I'm biased. (laughs) I want to tell you, Thank you for allowing us to be here. Back in July, I pulled up in front of, uh, in front of a Harris Teeter to go in and, and buy a few groceries. And um, just ahead of me, there was a car that had pulled in into one of the spaces reserved for veterans. And a, an older couple, probably not as old as I am, an older couple got out and started toward the entrance as I was going in. And uh, I said, which one of you is the veteran? And he's, the guy said, I am. And, and I said, well, thank you for your service, sir. Which, which branch were you in? And he said, oh, I was in the Army. And so as we continued toward the door, door I pulled out a New Testament, and I said, well, thank you for your service. I'd like to give you this gift. And he put his hand out, and he said, what is it? And he just got his fingers on it. And as, as he leaned forward to take it, I could see there was a gold chain around his neck. And on the gold chain was the Star of David. And, and he said, I don't need it. And I said, okay. And I was saying, Lord, what do I say now? <laughs> and, and I took another couple steps, and his wife said, I'd like to have it. I, I assume she was his wife. Uh, I'd like to have it. And, and so I said, good, I'd like to give it to you. And so I explained the helps in the front, like when you're in trouble and you need divine guidance or you don't know what to do in making a decision, these helps are in the front. And I said, in the back, there's a spiritual GPS. I said, at the end of life, when our work here on earth is done, it'll be good to know that you'll end up in the place that I think you want to be. And she expressed appreciation for that. And I've been praying since July 14th for that couple uh, that God will use that scripture in that household to let that gentleman know his Messiah has come. And he's coming again. Praise God. Now, I am one of those Baptists. Uh, I'm, sometimes, you know, I like Baptists. I, I is one. But... But I think we're among God's chosen frozen. And, and you folks, you, you 
delight and you take great joy in worship that I don't see in a lot of Baptist congregations. And, and it's so good to, to mix with other people and worship with them. Uh, uh, Pastor Williams and I were talking uh, a little bit uh, about Lee College, and I've known so many people uh, and read of so many wonderful people who've come through uh, one of your denomination's schools. Well, back to my grocery store. As I went on in, now what's your favorite part of the grocery store? Mine is the frozen food section, <laughs> and particularly the ice cream part of it. Well, I was looking to see what's buy one, get one free this week, and on down the way a little bit, there was a young couple, and, and they were looking in the more expensive uh, categories than where I was, and, and I noticed that she appeared to be pregnant six or seven months maybe, and so I kind of dilly-dallied a minute, and as they closed the door and walked toward me, I, I looked at their cart and I said, uh, are you going to get dill pickles too? <laughs> and, and she said, no, not today, but I said, you are pregnant, aren't you? Now, that's pretty embarrassing when you say something like that, and the lady says, no, I'm not, <laughs> but yes, I am, and, and we're going to have a girl, and I noticed just from uh, talking a little bit with her, uh, she had an accent, which means she speaks at least one more language than I do. And, and so I asked her about that, and she said, I'm Serbian. And uh, I don't know that I've ever known anybody from Serbia. If you ever watch pro tennis, uh, Novak Djokovic, one of the very best, he's Serbian. And they won't let him play in some of the tournaments because he doesn't have COVID vaccination. But that's aside. But she said, I'm Serbian, and then pointed to her husband, who's a pretty tall guy, 6'3 or 6'4, and she said, he's Ukrainian. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry for what's happening to your country right now. I said, but I'd like to give you something. I said, pulled out the New Testament, showed them front, showed them back, and I said, but the really important part's the middle. I said, I don't know, but this may be your your baby's, your daughter's first scripture that she's received, but I want this to be hers. I want you to help her learn to read by using this, and I want to give it to you, and I, I love you people. I want you to have this, and they were very thankful and went on their way. So I enjoy engaging people, and that's what the, your conversations workshop is about. You know, uh, do y'all know what the Great Commission is? Yes. Okay. Well, for a lot of us Christians, there's the Great Commission, and then for, for individuals, there's the Great Admission. I admit that I'm hesitant to talk to people about Jesus. The Conversations Workshop will help you deal with that. It's just a conversation. I mean, if, if you were out there on the street and, and stopped at a traffic light and, and there's a person in the uh, intersection, you know, and he's got a sign, and this sign says, I need help. But down at the bottom of the sign in small letters it says, whoever is the first one to give me help, I'm going to give you a new car. Would you tell people about that? Now, I'm not going to say, would you rather have a new car or would you rather have Jesus? <laughs> okay? But, but we know if we've given our heart to him, 
we know cars come and go and they rust and I even had one Sonia and I had one that was stolen not recovered well it was recovered but it was crashed into a utility pole so it wasn't worth much <laughs> one of my best friends in Gideon ministry may be doing your conversations workshop I'll ask him when I uh, when I uh, later this week uh, Dana Lamb he's a big burly guy uh, I once heard someone described as a uh, look, he looked like a bear riding a tricycle when he got on a motorcycle. Uh, Dana, I don't think, rides a motorcycle. Now, I have. Uh, I, I just lit up when I saw you have Yamaha speakers. <laughs> but Dana went on an international scripture blitz, which is a concentrated two-week, it was two-week visit, and he went to the African country of Malawi. Have you ever heard of Malawi? I looked in, I've got several pairs of pants and inside one of them there's a tag and it was made in Malawi very surprising to me but Malawi is a very poor country 80% of the people there uh, are, are engaged in subsistence agriculture it's a landlocked country it's bordered by Zambia Tanzania and Mozambique and the average income there is is right around a thousand dollars a year now can you imagine how many books would you find in the, in the average Malawian's house? Not very many. What better could they receive than God's word as a gift? I asked Dana about the, the, the best experience he had there, and he said, well, it happened in a school on a tea plantation. This school, the little building they had was six miles from the paved road. And he said, when we passed out scriptures, a young boy named Justin, who was 12 or 13 years old, Justin took the scripture and he seemed very eager to find out what's in it. And, and this is mine? Yeah, this is mine. And, and Dana talked about what's in the back and giving your life to Jesus. And that day before they left that room, Dana helped Justin give his heart to Jesus and write his name in the back of that book. What's more important than that, than that little book? His name is written in the book of life. <laughs> I uh, want to share with you a few Bible verses here as, as time is slipping away. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. John 1.14, The Word became flesh. John 17.17, 17, Your Word is Truth. And your pastor, I don't know if y'all use fancy titles, your pastor emeritus, he used, uh, he shared with you a verse about the word dwelling in you richly. Romans 10, 17, one of my personal favorites. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Okay. God's word brings salvation. Romans 1, 16 says, it is the power of God for salvation. Let me tell you about a medical doctor in the state of Maine. He was on hospital staff, and he says, but on a personal level, my family was crashing against a wall of evil. Now, I don't know what the particulars were, but they certainly did. His name was Matthew, Dr. Matthew. And one day he noticed a Gideon Place Bible in the hospital in Maine where he worked, he began reading it, and he realized that God's word is truth. He surrendered his life to the Lord, and in time, his wife and children were saved as well. Today, they all serve in ministry 
in the state of Maine. In, let's go to Columbia now. Not Columbia, South Carolina, the further south, the, the country of Columbia. There were Gideons who were traveling to do a school distribution, and they were in the edge of a jungle, and some guerrillas sneaked up and came out, and they had weapons, of course, and, and one of the Gideons says, you have no fear of us because of those guns you carry. We have no fear of you because we carry God's word. Your troops are very numerous. I would like to empower them with God's word. The guerrillas then led the Gideons to their base camp. And that evening, Gideon shared scriptures and led hundreds and hundreds of those men and women to Christ in Colombia. I wasn't there. I've read about it. And now you've heard about it. And people just like you gave the money that bought that scripture, that, that brought that person to Jesus. Thirdly, God's word brings hope. And through the encouragement of the scriptures, we have hope, says Romans 15, 4. In India, the most populous, well, the second most populous country on earth, but the, the country in which there are more Muslims than any other country, India, Ravi was a college student. He was a member of an upper caste, the social system that's very rigid in India, and he had become discouraged with his college studies. And he had decided he was going to kill himself. And I don't know why, but he was traveling back home on public transportation, and he was going to do that. But he was depressed, obviously. But along the way, a Gideon gave him a New Testament. And on the journey, he began to read it. He arrived back home, and instead of focusing on how he's going to kill himself, he focused on God's word. Today, he shares God's word because Ravi is a Gideon, and he's full of life. <laughs> now, you and I, we don't know how much time we have on earth. Our time is short. And our chance to make an eternal impact is limited. How can you make an eternal impact for God? Well, talk to your neighbors. Engage them in a conversation after you learn how to do it easily and comfortably. Or you, your denomination, my denominations, we sponsor uh, missionaries. You can give money for somebody else to go if you're not called to go. Now, if you're called to go, don't stay here. But he may call you to go to the other side of Cornelius or all the way up to Mooresville. Who knows? <laughs> I've got a friend who was a rice farmer in Texas, and at, at, I don't know, 40 years of age, 35 or 40, he surrendered to become a missionary. And God sent him to a faraway place called Waxhaw. <laughs> so if God didn't call you to go, you can pay for somebody else, or you can send God's word. It never misspeaks. It never gets sick. It never goes on furlough. It will be distributed by Gideons like me who live right there among his neighbors in hotels and hospitals. And only 3% three, three of our Bibles go into hotels. You thought that was the thing for Gideons. Only 3%. A majority of our scriptures are given to students from fifth grade up through college. The 
15th and 16th of this month, Gideons have been authorized to be on the UNCC campus giving God's word to students who are trying to figure out how to make a living wearing stuff in college, but they need to know how to build a life, one that won't fall down when the storms come. Thank you for allowing me to be here this morning. Use the Gideon cards that are in your display back there. You send a card, and you just give $5 for the Bible that's going to be sent when you send us the $5. Now, y'all are grown-ups. You can take the truth. To give out Bibles, just how many a day? Every time your heart beats, feel your pulse, two Bibles somewhere in the world are placed or given to someone. And I kid you not, it takes some big bucks for that to happen. Okay? So help us if you can. I don't want your tithe money. I want your snack money and your impulse purchases. Okay? And, and if you'll give today to the Gideons, I will pray that you will not have a flat tire on the way home. This is a Bible placed in a hotel in San Francisco in 1911. If you want to see it, uh, Sonia found it on eBay. But if you want to take a look at it, I'd be happy to share it with you. Thank you, people. We have all of you with us this morning. For those who hadn't been with us in the last few weeks, it's so good to see you back in church. I, I don't hug women's necks often, but I might have hugged one this morning because she hadn't been here in a while. Happy to see her. So it's good to see you in church this morning. It's time to receive our tithe and offering if our usher will come at this time. It's good to see Brother Vic back in church. Been praying for him and his wife, and I hope things get better. Brother Joyner, will you say a blessing over the offering for us this morning?
Good morning. It's good to be here this morning. What's up, Pop Pop? <laughs> I'm glad the Gideons are here. I'm glad Sister Wanell is here. Missed you. And I hate to see Sister Sugar not here this morning. Is she already gone too? She gone. Well, definitely want to pray for her. Is she? Well, we hope to see her soon. Yes, you're already. All right. It's. It's time to receive prayer requests this morning. Spoken requests first. Sister Robin. for Sister Robin's entire family that they all get their feeling better. Brother Mike. Mike's brother-in-law, Chris, that the procedure goes well, complete healing in his body. Gretchen. Okay. Let's pray for Serena and Buster. Sister, join us. Yes. Let's pray for Sister Keller, Ken, and Diane. Them guys, yes, sir. Okay. 
Sister? Sister Wynnell? Thank you. I'm glad you're here. Sister Judy? Sister Judy's procedure, and all goes well. Complete restoration in her. Yes. Yes. Let's pray for Rhonda that she gets feeling better, and then continue praying for her mother, for healing in her body and. And recovery quickly. Brother Marty. Christy. Yes, let's pray for Christy that that the news is good a good report that's it uh, unspoken request raise hands as we stand and take these to the Lord this morning <clears throat> Father we love you and we thank you so much for letting us be in your house this morning we thank you for those that are here we thank you for those that are home watching we can we ask that you answer their prayers Lord let them heal their bodies talk to us Holy Spirit please an unspoken request Father that you know
right. Thank you, and it's time to fellowship.
you'd think in November you wouldn't have to adjust it to get cooler, but it's warm. So sorry if anyone gets cold because it is 75 in here. Bless our hearts. Um, <laughs> anyway, I thought I was yes, I, I thought I was having a hot flash, but thank you, Lord. It was just it's just because it was 75. <clears throat> I was like I really I was worried for a second. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I hope so. I hope. Got, you know, a good 25 years before I need to worry about that, I hope. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know how long, but yes, anyway. So if anybody gets cold, I'm sorry. That was my fault. Um, I'll just run around a little. Anyway, so uh, I trust that we are seeking to understand what is reasonable in our service to God when we talked about last week. Our reasonable service, our, our logical worship. And those things that we are supposed to do, number one, to present. So we present ourselves to God living, holy, and acceptable to Him. That we are to transform. To be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And remember that this is a complete metamorphosis. A change from what I was into something completely different. Never to be able to go back again. That's what the Lord is calling for and to prove because we can experience God's perfect will for us. So today we consider and as I say this it 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 became something extra and something different but we're going to consider confession. And that was the main goal but then as I was reading things started opening up so we'll we'll talk about confession but then there are some other things in here that we'll talk about. So, confession has two distinct meanings in a religious understanding. We think of a confession of faith. An act by which the faith of the church is declared. I, I believe in God the Father, Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, and, and that the Holy Spirit lives within me. And, and We confess our faith. We, we say, these are the things that we believe as, and if it's Church of God or if it's Baptist or if it's Lutheran, as long as you're believing in Jesus as the only way of salvation, then we, we don't care where you're from. We won't worship with you, okay? <laughs> so no matter if, if you are believing in the whole Bible, that's, that's what's important. We also confess our sins. We should confess our sins. I was listening to someone recently who said that as a church, we confess one of three times. Now, if you are, if you are in the, the Catholic faith, then you confess, you go to a priest and confess. But typically, you know, within, um, within evangelical circles, and here we are, we confess one of three times. Before the Lord's Supper, we're instructed to examine ourselves. You know, we say, don't take of the Lord's Supper unworthily. Don't take of his body and his blood unworthily. Examine yourself. And if you have any sin within you, then, then confess it to him. So that's one time that we are told corporately to confess. Another time that we confess is down at the altar. When we come down here, that's, that's the purpose of this place, is to come down and to confess the things that we've been going through. Lord, I, I come here as a living sacrifice, and I say, help me get through these situations. And then another time that we confess is, is within small groups. 
within our community. We share our lives one with another. We're able to speak to one another and say, I'm going through this. I'm having a difficulty with this. Pray for me about this. And, and we share one with another. So why is confession necessary? Do we need this practice within a Protestant church? What does the word say about confession? Let's take a look in James chapter 5. Confession is good for the soul. Uh, James, he was the brother of Jesus, and he was writing in his book to Jewish believers. This book was written early in the life of the church, around AD 50, so it was... It was within a couple of decades of the death of Jesus, so very, very early on in the church. And he's attempting to reform the practices of those people who have served Yahweh their entire lives. So he's speaking to a, a group of people who have been Jewish, who converted to Christianity. So their practices, their beliefs were Jewish in nature. That's what they had grown up with their entire lives. We, we serve Yahweh in this way. And James is trying to help them to see the way that Jesus has instituted it may be a little different. So let's take a look in, in chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 to begin. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any among you, excuse me, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up, and if he hath committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So here we, we see the instructions of James. Our responsibility of prayer. Well, he begins this section with a few questions and responses. He says, is anyone afflicted? Is anyone undergoing hardship? Is anyone suffering trouble? Let that person keep on praying. That's the implication here. Let that person keep on praying. Don't just pray once and then give up. Pray once and, well, it didn't happen, so maybe this is not the Lord's will. Let that person who is afflicted keep on praying. And he says, let him. Now, we understand that perhaps James is speaking specifically to that, to that person who is afflicted. Oh, just keep on praying, keep on praying. But I think that within the responsibility of believers one to another, that sometimes we get to a place that we see someone who is struggling, who is afflicted, and we think to ourselves, they need to just get over that. Okay, maybe, maybe it's just me and the people watching online <clears throat> who feel that way sometimes. Mm, that person's been going through that for a while. They need to... They need to move on. But James, notice the wording he uses here, let him. So not only is he instructing those people who are struggling, hey, keep on praying, but I think perhaps he's saying to those in the community of faith, if there are people among you who are struggling, let them 
let them talk about their afflictions. Let them go through what they're going through. Let them feel their feelings. Help them to pray. Help them to get to the point of moving past what they need to. This is part of Christian responsibility. Because then he also says, is any merry? Let him sing psalms. So is anyone merry? Are they cheerful in their spirit? That person should keep on making melody. Okay, you're, you're happy about something? We're going to let you testify. We're going to let you tell everybody that you're glad. Okay, we want to hear because that is part of Christian responsibility as well. When one is afflicted, then we're praying, then we're weeping for that person. When one weeps, we weep. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. So we're going to say to one another, feel your feelings. In Jesus' name, we're going to pray for deliverance if you're struggling, and we're going to rejoice with you when you got good going on. That's part of us being the church, the community, one with another. He said, is anyone sick? Are you feeble, weak, powerless? That person person should summon the elders. These elders should do a few things. They should pray over the sick person. And they will anoint that person with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, we're going to come back to this in just a little bit, but, but we're going to take a look through the rest. And he says that the prayer of faith, the prayer of the believers, demonstrating their faith, will save, meaning to deliver to protect or to make whole. The prayer of the believers will save the sick. When, when they're brought forth, when they call for the elders, when people pray over them and they're anointed with oil, there will be healing. That person will be delivered, protected, made whole. The Lord will raise them up. This word here, to raise, means to waken from sickness and death. So there is something that occurs when we call for the prayers of the elders. Pray for, for those who are in difficulty, in strife. There's something that occurs when we pray one for another. He said that if a sick person has committed sins, those sins will be forgiven. So here we see a link between sickness and sin. And now before you, before before okay no i'm not saying that all our sickness is because we've sinned absolutely not no absolutely not but here we see a link that when we pray one for another that when we pray for healing that sometimes those issues that we've been dealing with those things that are within our hearts that we haven't revealed to anyone else those things that we're struggling with. That as we pray in faith, that we're saying, Lord, not only heal their body. Lord, we ask you to go inside. And we ask you to shine the searchlight of the Holy Spirit. We ask you to shine that light that is Christ inside. And if there's anything internally that needs to be healed, we ask for internal healing as well. Once again, this is it, you're not necessarily sick because you've sinned. Okay, please understand that. People watching online, please understand. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there is a link between when we pray for one another, 
that there is deliverance on the inside as well as on the outside. And that's what we're called to do as believers. James then tells them to confess. Now, here's the thing. We skip over this pretty often. Maybe not y'all. I skip over this pretty often. Like, uh, okay, uh, confess your faults one to another. Okay, all right, moving on. <laughs> he says, confess, acknowledge. Ooh. Acknowledge your faults. The word faults here meaning side slips. Unintentional errors or willful transgressions. So when we try to soften or when we try to filter God's word, and say, oh, well, James just means, you know, confess when you, well, I just, um, I'm struggling with, I'm struggling with chewing too much bubble gum. You know, when, when we try to minimize the issues that we're going through, that that is scrubbing the word, and that's not what we're supposed to do. Because what he is saying to us here is confess, acknowledge the fact that you have stuff going on within you that the Lord needs to heal, that the Lord needs to fix, that you alone cannot deal with. And he says, pray for one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. That's the response. When, when people tell you, when, when you see people who have things going on in their lives, and you, again, you, maybe it's not y'all, it's just me and the people online. Y'all need to straighten up, people. Just get it together. We, me and these people, think, I can't believe they are doing that stuff. But that is not the response that God is calling us to. He said, when you hear that people are going through struggles, when they trust you with the things that they're going through, your first response is to pray for one another for the healing on the inside. That is what we are responsible for doing, is to pray, God, you see that they're struggling with this. You see that they've got sin going on that they just can't seem to get rid of. So we ask you to heal that in Jesus' name. We ask you to dig that out. It is not for us to judge. It is not for us to condemn. It is for us to pray. Confess and pray that you may be healed, made whole, cured. Because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now I have... I've heard that plenty of times. I have heard us. I've heard songs about, you know, there, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It sounds great. It rolls off the tongue really nicely too. But what does it even mean? The work will work when we work it. That's what it means. I was like, this is great. I wrote that down. The work, the prayer. The work will work, will be a force when we, the righteous, those of equitable character, those who are believers, work it. The work will work when we work it. 
The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If you actually pray, if you actually do what God is asking you to do, things are going to happen as a result. That is what we know. Taking a look at verses 17 through 20. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again that the heaven give rain. And the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So how can we know that our prayers will be effective? Yes, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. How can I know that? How can I know that that's true? Well, here I'm giving an example. And notice the example that we're given. Now, there were people throughout the Old Testament who were prayers. People who came to God in prayer who, who really touched heaven in one way or another. But Elijah is the one that he puts forth here. And he says, Elijah dealt with the same issues that we do. He didn't say, look to Elijah, this great prophet of Israel. This one who, is, who, who was the, the mirror of John the Baptist, who was a, a, a prophetic unction in the Old Testament of, the, of the John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus in the New Testament. He didn't say, look to this man who, who called down fire from heaven and, and destroyed all the prophets of Baal. Look to him. He's the example of what prayer should be. That's not what James said. He said, look to Elijah who had the same issues we do. I can tell you that prayer works because Elijah dealt with issues and the Lord still heard his prayer. Elijah, we know, dealt with fear. He heard that uh, Jezebel was looking for him, and he started running. He had just called down fire from heaven. He had just killed all those prophets of Baal. And, and someone said to him, hey, Elijah, um, Jezebel's looking for you. He said, oh, bye. He took off running. Elijah dealt with discouragement. Lord, I'm the only one. Lord, I, I'm the only one who loves you. I'm the only one who serves you. God, just, I, I don't even know anymore why I'm doing this. I'm the only one. Elijah dealt with depression. He sat on the mountain and he said, Lord, just kill me. If Jezebel's planning to kill me, I want you to do it instead. Just let me die. He dealt with all these things that we do. And still, when he prayed earnestly, and these two words, prayed and earnestly, are almost the exact same in Greek. So he's saying, when he prayed and really prayed. So this is not just a, Lord, let fire down, fall down from heaven. Thanks, that'd be great. Or, Lord, don't let there be rain for a while. It wasn't like that. When he prayed earnestly, when he seriously 
got down on his face before God and said, God, we ask that there be no rain. God heard him and answered. It didn't rain for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, it rained. So if a brother or sister here, he's saying, he adds to this, talking about our effectual fervent prayer. If a brother or sister roams away from the truth, we have a duty to them. If they are converted, if we're able to go talk to them, to encourage them, to bring them back to Christ. If they are converted, if they revert back, this has saved their soul from death. Because the wages of their sin, the wages of what they're getting caught up in, that's death. We've brought them back from committing further sin. So we've covered a multitude of sins that would have been a possibility in the future if they had stayed in the situation they were in. So we bring them back and we remind them that their sins can be forgiven. So we're living that church life. <laughs> what James is telling these Jewish believers is formational for our church. For the church then and for our church today. He is outlining a formula. Not for us to become legalistic about that and follow the letter of the law and say, oh, it has to be done this way, and if it's not, then your prayers won't be answered. But he's saying, we've noticed that when we do this, it works. We've noticed that, that when we call for the elders, we've noticed that when people begin to pray in this way, that things get done. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you this and encourage you to try it this way. So that's what James is telling us here. So there are specific instructions made by James. Number one, call for the elders. So the first thing that this teaches us is that we do not have to suffer alone. We don't have to suffer in silence. We call for the elders. We call on people that we trust. We call on those that we know can reach heaven on our behalf. That if I'm struggling and I can't get to the Lord right now, I'm going to call somebody that I know can. Or that I know I can get to God, and it can just be me and Jesus got our own thing going, but I need someone to agree with me. I, I know I can reach God, but the more that I have touching this one thing, it shall be done in heaven. If I can, if I can agree with you and you can agree with me that we're going to see this done, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to call for the elders. So pride or embarrassment or shame often keep us from exposing our needs one to another. Well, if I tell people I'm going through this, they're going to look at me sideways. They're not going to believe that I still love Jesus. Or they're not going to, they're, they're going to think of me differently when next time that they see me. And Lord, forgive us if that's true. Because that's human nature. You hear something about somebody and you think, mm -hmm. but remember, this is an upside down kingdom. So we don't, think, we don't think the same as the world does. When we see someone who's struggling, who's going through something, the upside-down kingdom says, we need to pray for that person because the Lord can help and he's the only answer. But we have chosen to do life together. Think about that for just a second. It, it kind of hit me. Now, of course, we go to this church. Those of you who don't, we, we're glad that you're here today. 
Now, Miss Bay and, and Brother Marty, they've been here for a long time. So, the, you know, it's fine. Y'all can be honorary Church of God, Church, Cornelius Church of God members. That's fine. But for those of us who are here, those of you who are watching, we have made a choice to do life together. Okay? We're not just here because it's Sunday. Okay? Between your house and right here, well, not y'all, but for everybody else, between your house and right here, there were at least five churches that you could have stopped and gone to that church instead. But because you're here, you have chosen to be in life with us. We are in this together, okay? So we're family. And you got stuff going on, we want to know about it. You got stuff going on, we want to help you pray for it. You got stuff going on, we're going to lift you up and we're going to give you encouragement because we're family. Because we're doing life together. So, calling for the elders indicates asking people that you trust and you know are going to show up for you. You're calling on people. I know this person's going to pray. I know this person's going to touch heaven. Just this past week, I got a, a text from somebody. Can you help me pray about this? Absolutely. I'm going to ask other people too. There were a few other people that I texted that I said, pray for this. Because I know those people are going to show up in prayer. And that's the thing. That's the beauty of, of us being together. Now, if I didn't text you, don't be offended. It, wasn't, it had nothing to do with you specifically. But I just I thought, oh, I'm going to text the person. But we are to pray. When the elders are called forth, we're to pray over those who are sick. And to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, this was interesting. Okay. Lord, help us to hear and receive. Okay. Watching. Lord, help us to hear and receive. We use oil symbolically to represent the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? That when we when we anoint people with, with oil, that's what we're saying. Holy Spirit, come into this situation. We give you control over it. Please take over. But almost every commentary that I read. When it said that they anointed, that the elders anointed them with oil. The implication here is medicinal oil, like a balm or an ointment. It's the same type of anointing as when the, when the man was beaten up and the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, came and he poured oil into his wounds and he bound him up and he put him on his horse and and took him to the to the inn. So it's the same idea here. That not only are we praying that God will touch in a miraculous way, but that we are also saying, God, if you choose to heal by man's medicine, we acknowledge that as healing as well. Because it is God who has given that person wisdom. It is God who has made scientists know that that can heal. To, to work in these situations, oftentimes, well, see God, God heals in all ways. 
God heals in all ways. James appears to be telling the church, pray together for miraculous healing, but also apply the medicinal knowledge that God provides. Because sometimes we get hung up wondering why God has not yet healed us. God, I've, I've prayed about this and I've prayed about this, and why am I not yet healed? Do I not have enough faith? Am I not living right? I mean, y'all know. Y'all have heard these same things. Lord, is this not your will to heal me? Is it not the right time? When we've not made use of the prayer warriors and we've not made use of the medicinal resources that God has provided. Because we're expecting God to do it one way. We saw all the miracles that took place with Jesus, and he, and he touched people, and they were healed instantly. And we think, oh, Lord, that's what I need. When it says that we are, by his stripes, we are healed, but it didn't qualify. It didn't say, by his stripes, you are healed when you receive a touch from one certain person, and it's going to instantly be taken care of. And we put God in a box when we only confess to believing and healing one way. We say, God can, God, I know God can heal. And please understand, I believe in miraculous healing. That is one of our, uh, one of our teachings that we believe that healing is provided, divine healing is provided for all in the atonement. Okay, understand I am not knocking the idea that God does can will miraculously heal us but i'm saying that there's also a formula here that says it's okay if you have to use medicine in the name of the lord he says anoint them with oil in the name of the lord put that medicine on them in the name of the lord in in jesus name i'm taking this advil and i believe that the the intelligence he gave this person to make this medicine is going to be miraculously healing my headache. Okay, please, please understand me. Okay? We cannot, we cannot put God into a box to say it has to be this way. God does what he wants to. He can and he does heal miraculously. But even then, that's only temporary. Since every man has been appointed once to die. If I do receive miraculous healing here on earth, I'm still going to die of something. Unless Jesus takes me back, you know, if he comes before I die. I'm going to die of something. So even miraculous healing here on earth is only temporary. So, could healing be like so many other things that we're waiting around on God... And not using the sense that he gave us. Oh Lord, here I am. Take care of this. Bring a miracle. And the Lord's like, okay, you might need to start walking in faith. <laughs> walking. Doing something. Because <laughs> your faith without any works is dead. Lord, help us. Then he says to confess our fault. So what does James mean by this? Well, there are a few things possibly that he could mean. 
have a time of mutual confession and then encourage one another that God has truly forgiven your sin. The, the person that I heard talking about this, the, the three different times that we as a church confessed, they said sometimes you need a person with skin on to tell you that you're forgiven. Sometimes I, I've, done, I've done so much or I've disappointed God in such a way that I just, I need someone to say to me, you know what, it's, it's okay. If you have asked for forgiveness, you're forgiven. You don't have to feel that shame or that guilt anymore. And it's not an absolution that comes from a person because a person cannot do that for us. But it is a person that we trust to say, you know what, by, by God's word we believe that you have been forgiven because you've asked for forgiveness. Another way of looking at it, that we confess our issues, our sins, our grievances that we have committed one against the other. Lord, help us. Because remember, Jesus said, if you go down to the altar with a gift and you realize that you and your brother have issues one against another, you need to leave your gift there. <laughs> go talk to your brother. Work that out and then come back and give your gift. So it could be, it could be that that James is reiterating what Jesus said that if you guys have issues one with another, you're living life together, there's certainly going to be issues. I mean, we're family. So maybe he's saying, if you've got issues one with another, maybe you should get with that person and confess them. Talk about it. Work that out. Might make you feel better. Pray for each other when you're doing it. It could mean another interpretation of this is bringing to light specific issues unforgiveness, bitterness anxiety, judgment, whatever it may be, bringing to light specific things that I'm really struggling with this so you consider theologian we talk about becoming theologians or recognizing our power as theologians, you think to yourself what does this mean? what do you think James was attempting to uplift? I'm not saying that one interpretation is better or, or more right than another. I'm just giving you some possibilities here. You think, what is the word saying? What is the Holy Spirit revealing? I, I personally believe that all of these could be the meaning. They all, they all make sense. I can tell you that I know people who have dealt with secrets who have dealt with things that go on in their lives and they never brought it to light and they're suffering now because of it. There's a link between confession and healing, between opening up to someone who is trustworthy in order to receive spiritual and emotional healing on the inside. I can speak from personal experience that when I, I confess issues, you know, for a long time, a long time, I felt as though, and to a certain extent still, but I, I felt as though, oh, well, I cannot show any issues. They don't air our laundry. I got to look right. I got to act right. I got to, I'm good. Don't know about y'all, but I'm good. But 
recognizing that that doesn't encourage anyone at all. That's an impossible standard. To say, oh, well, she always has it together, but I don't know why I don't always have it together. There must be something wrong with me. That's, that's not the case, though. See, so I began to talk to, to our class on Wednesday night. I began to talk up here about issues with anxiety because that perfectionism, which sounds so great, but it is terrible. When you're really, truly a perfectionist, it's bad because um, there's a constant pressure. So I began to talk about that. And I'm not saying that the anxiety is completely 100% gone, but I am saying that it's, it's relieved some because of confessing, because of sharing, because one source of that anxiety was the pressure to always look perfect. And when I relinquished that, that need, that relieves some of the issue. And healing comes with confession. When I began to say, and I, I you know, my top three issues, I talk about this uh, <laughs> overthinking. Me and you brother Mike, we got that. <laughs> overthinking. Golly, I, I overthink everything. Shane Williams can testify that. Uh, <laughs> overthinking, you know, being judgmental and being selfish. Those are my top three issues. But I realized that I was talking about being judgmental a lot. And when I began to say, this is an issue that I have, when I began to, to allow the light of Christ to shine on that, he has given me, he's given me insight into the reason people act the way they do. Like, golly, I can't judge that person anymore because they... And the Lord begins to heal it when we confess it. When we bring it to the light, he begins to say, all right, well, if you're willing to talk about this, if you're willing to show this, let's fix it. <coughs> he begins to do a work within us when we confess. Now, I'm, please understand, I'm not going to hand y'all the mic, and if any of y'all have have murdered anyone or anything like that please don't or embezzled or whatever please don't okay <laughs> that's a <laughs> that's a one-on-one -on -one conversation if you need to talk to me um in the office you know we'll we'll close the door and then it'll, it'll be private um i'm not saying that but please understand that there is healing that comes with confession there is healing that comes with saying, I got issues. There is healing that comes with saying, can you pray for me? That I don't have to be alone. I don't have to do this on my own. I do not have to be strong and hold all this in. That You know what? We're, we're in this together. Let's pray about this. The third thing that we see is to commit ourselves to prayer. If one is afflicted, they should pray. Let them pray. If you've got issues, pray about it. If one is sick, they should be able to rely upon the prayers of the church. Prayer that is active and efficient accomplishes great things. The work will work when you work it. Even those with struggles who pray earnestly will be heard by God. Prayer can bring people back to faith. 
Prayer can change the trajectory of a life. Because we are choosing to live this life together, we must commit to praying one for another. So, again, this passage opens up the idea of of confession of a couple of different things in a couple of different ways. One, we see confessing to others about our issues and struggles and also confessing what we believe about God and what he's able to do. I know that he can. I confess that I know he's able. That if I confess that if he doesn't do it this way, if he doesn't do it in the way that I'm wanting him to, I confess that I know he's able to do it this way. I confess that my faith in him is not boxed in and not saying, God, you have to do it this way, and if you don't, then have you really even answered? No. My faith, the confession of my faith says, God, however you want to do it, that's the right way. I put my faith in him. So, what have we been taught by James? What do we see? Call for the elders, confess our faults, and commit to prayer. Today, as the music plays, if you have something that you need, the elders of the church, and we've done this, and this has been a couple of, oh golly, it's been several weeks, several weeks, that people have said, I have an issue and I need specific prayer for this issue. I know that Rhonda is sick and she can't get here. So if we can begin by praying for Rhonda, calling for the elders, praying for her, lifting her up. But then after we do that, if you need specific prayer for something or if you know of someone who needs specific prayer for something, we're going to pray one for another. That, because the effectual fervent prayer, that prayer that works, works when you're working. So, if I could have somebody seen in on behalf of Rhonda, we'll anoint and pray for you that that she'll be healed. But again, if you need prayer after that, we're gonna we're gonna pray for you. Amen.
much, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your healing, your power, your presence. God, we just trust you for all that you're able to do. Father, we receive from you right now. God, as we're, as we're sitting, as we're standing here in your presence, we just confess. We say, Lord, these are the needs that I have. These are the issues that I'm facing. These, this is what I'm going through. And I just pray, Lord, that you would shine your light into these issues, that you would shine your light and bring about an internal healing. God, not just physically, but also emotionally and spiritually. God, touch our minds, that we would mentally be healed, that you would give strength and encouragement to each and every person. God, we just ask you that we would receive whatever it is. God, anyone who has come in with a need of any sort, I just ask that that need be filled right now. God, we thank you and we praise you for all that you have done, all that you are doing right now, and all that you will do. God, we trust you, that you are Yahweh Rapha, the God who heals us. God, that we can, we can count on that, that there is nothing that can prevent us from receiving from you. God, we just thank you, we praise you. We lift you up right now, God. We ask your help and your strength for everyone who's here, everyone who's watching. And we say over your people, may Yahweh bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. And may he give you his peace. In Jesus' precious name, amen.